One's from the trailer park, one's from the farm. Rings on their fingers, no babies on their arms. Taking life with a grain of salt and lime. Living, loving, laughing, we're having a good time. Nothing too deep won't tell you how to vote. Two stand-up comics with stories from the road. We're cutting up, really. All right, uh, we got a hot podcast coming up. Uh, I got a funny Christmas story. I got some stories from my friend David Ross. Uh, I got maybe a little talk about the 27 Club and my thoughts on New Year's. This is the We're Having a Good Time podcast, and my name is Dusty Slay. I'm alone today. Hannah is on the road. She's in Kansas City, hanging out, having a good time. And I'm here. I'm here for the day. Uh, gone tomorrow. And so let's get right in to some things. This is the uh, where we've been, where we're going. Where they going. Where they been. Where they going. Where, where they been. Where we're going, where we've been. Uh, Hannah was in Iowa over New Year's Eve. She did uh, something at South Street Comedy Club in Jackson, Tennessee on Saturday night. And then she was in Iowa. I forget the actual city, but she was doing uh, New Year's Eve at a casino with Jimmy Pardo. And I I think she had a really great time, a really packed out venue. And uh, I know she, she enjoyed the show. Very nice casino. She was living the life of luxury. And last weekend, I was in Atlanta, Georgia at the Punchline, and man, did I have a good time. Uh, we worked, we, I worked with uh, comics Andrew Stanley and Todd Riley, and they were both very funny. Uh, Todd Riley out of Charlotte, I've known for a while, um, and uh, was, I was happy to see him and work with him. And Andrew Stanley, a uh, very nice guy, I guess he's a fairly new comic, I don't know, a couple of years in, uh, but his... Uh, granddad is famed pastor Charles Stanley, who I've actually listened to before, and uh, I thought that was pretty fun. Uh, Charles Stanley did not come to the comedy show, unfortunately, and uh, maybe fortunately. I, I always feel like my comedy is pretty clean, but if someone from my church ever came, I, it freaked me out. You know what I mean? But the um, uh, so that was a good time. He told me that some people thought he was the son of Morgan Stanley, who. Uh, he informed me was a business, which I wouldn't have known Morgan Stanley was a business, but it's like two last names, you know, like Ricky Bobby. That's two first names. Like a, like a law practice. I don't know a lot of things. All right. And, uh, but I had a great time. I mean, a lot of my friends from, uh, from high school who had moved to Atlanta now came to my show. I got to see some uh, people and it was, it was, it's fun to see them, but also fun for them to come and see me. Uh, headline the punchline, and we had great crowds. We had really great crowds. A couple of the, uh, we had one crowd that was pretty light. Uh, still a great time, but pretty light. And a, a few of my friends came to that one, and I was like, oh bummer. I wish you'd have came to the uh, really packed show. 
but honestly, all of them were great. My mom and her friend Lisa came up to some shows. My dad and his wife Martha came up. I had a cousin Drew came, and he's part of a, uh, a biker club. I don't guess it's a gang. It's a biker. They call it a motor club, I think, but he brought some of his motor club buddies there. Long beards, bald hair kind of guys, firm handshakes, uh, those kind of men, and uh, that was fun. Um, you know, I got to see a lot of people I haven't seen in a long time, uh, even my friend uh, Matt Price, who uh, helps make some of these uh, sound effects and things for us on the podcast he came down and brought some of his in-laws. He's from Atlanta and uh, brought his wife. And uh, just just a lot of fun. Marcy at the Punchline is so great. All the people that work there are great. Uh, I usually like to eat. I like to eat big when I'm there because they'll give me food and they have a deli attached. And it's just so delicious. But my my body has gone into breakdown mode because I've been eating so much food I think it piled up in my stomach and stopped digesting. So I had to give up eating like an animal for a while. And uh, I'll be back, but I got to let my body digest and let my body soothe. You know, I've been doing a lot of juices and smoothies. Uh, I'm like a real vegan out here now. And uh, now I don't spread that around. Now, I would never go vegan because I, I do enjoy meat and meat animal products. But... I can embrace a vegetarian or vegan lifestyle for a bit, and I can also appreciate it. Uh, I find I, I feel like it would be hard to be vegan, but uh, vegetarian I could do for a while. I feel like something happens to me though. I'll go, I'll, I'll, I'll like not eat meat for days and not even think about it because I'll eat you know smoothies or cereal or which I have to give up too because it's killing me. And uh, or I'll eat you know I'll eat salads. Uh, you know, I don't want that to be a big secret. Sometimes I have a salad, you know what I mean? And uh, I like it. But if I can get some meat on the salad, I'm not upset about that. But I'm saying after a while of just eating vegetables, I feel like my body has a real craving for some meat. And then if I don't have it for a while, I end up making some mistake and going out and eating a giant hamburger with a bunch of things on it. Mistake only to my body, not to my taste buds. I wish that hamburgers uh, set better in my body. Well, it sets fine in there. I wish that I digested it better because I would eat a hamburger every day. I love them. I love a I love a delicious, delicious hamburger. There used to be a place in on on Sullivan's Island outside of Charleston called Poe's Tavern. That place is still there. I just don't live there anymore. And they had a crab cake hamburger where it was a hamburger with a crab cake on it. Whew. Delicious. Now I I don't eat crabs anymore, but gosh, I could eat that thing. I mean, we used to love crab cakes. I mean, when I when I worked at Hyman's, we would have uh, we had really good crab cakes there. I don't know, you know, it's been a while since I'm there. I know stuff changes, but it was delicious for a while. And these crab cakes, people would like. This is gross. Get ready. People would like half eat a crab cake, and I would watch the people. And, you know, I couldn't watch them, you know, the whole time, but I would see if they were playing with it or sneezing on it. And if it looked good when it came back, I would eat it before I threw it in the trash. You know what I mean? That's gross, but I'm just confessing here. And the other people that I used to work with, they were like, dude, that's gross. You can't do that. And then as time went on, those people were eating it with me. You know what I mean? They got into the lifestyle. And, uh, 
we loved it. We would be like, hey, got a crab cake over here. Got some crab legs. I got some shrimp. I got some scallops. That's how you survive in the restaurant world. And I always had this, I, I figured, you know, I would always eat after the, uh, you know, after women because I figure, you know, if I would make out with somebody, then it's okay to eat their food. You know what I mean? But then, you know, then I, it, I took it a little further, you know, because I was like, a lot of food was coming off the plates of guys that I wanted to eat. So I had to ask myself, uh, would the uh, girl that I would make out with make out with this guy? You know what I mean? Because it all connects. And that's a joke that I do. It's on off the album Making That Fudge, which is available on iTunes and Amazon and DustySlay.com. Uh, hilarious joke. But the um, the point of that is I like to eat. I'm into it. And when I used to drink, I used to eat like it was – I hate to use the expression, but I used to eat like it was going out of style. I um, – we would go to the huddle house. We would, we'd, me and my buddy, we would get drunk, and then we would get in our car and drive to the huddle house. Huddle house was on the way home, so we weren't going out of our way. We were already going to be drinking and driving. Might as well stop halfway, get a little food, and that way, the rest of the way home, we're not just drunk. We're also sleepy and very dangerous. Don't do it. But we would stop at this huddle house. We've been kicked out of this huddle house many times, a huddle house on James Island uh, outside of Charleston, and... We've been kicked out because we get in there and get rowdy, and they would throw us out. But we would usually get to eat. But I would go there, and I would eat. I would order the big house platter, which was just about every kind of food in the place. And then I would eat that, and then I would start to eat the food off my friends' plates because they would be like, I'm full. I can't eat anymore. So I would eat all that. And then that's how I got real fat. And how I stopped being real fat is I, I stopped drinking, and then I stopped eating like that. So amazing what happens when you take in less calories. Now, I'm not suggesting that there's not someone out there that has some problems beyond just eating. Uh, But I'm saying for me, uh, I got fat because I ate enough food to get fat. And then I lost weight by uh, stop eating all that food. You know what I mean? And um, all that to say is Atlanta was fun, is that even though I didn't get to eat at all my favorite places while I was there, like I like like Bagelicious there. They have a like a pastr- corned beef uh, pastrami bagel. Man, I love it. And uh, I like to go to the Vortex when I'm down there, and uh, that's attached to the Laughing Skull. Very fun. But I'm very thankful for all the people who came out to see my show. A guy uh, named Brody that I met while I was doing a show in Lexington, Kentucky with uh, Burt Kreischer. Uh, he came to the show and brought his brother, and it was great to meet them. And so many people, my, Brian and, and, and Joey and Gabe and uh, Memory and Colin and uh, just so many people, Lori. And uh, I just appreciate you guys coming. I don't know if you also listen to the podcast, but I do appreciate you guys coming. meant a lot. And I hope to keep that rolling. Also, I've named a lot of people that came that I knew previously. A lot of people came that I didn't know, which is also exciting. And then over New Year's Eve, I did comedy at a brand new improv comedy club in Raleigh, North Carolina. Brand new, just opened. I performed the first New Year's Eve celebration, and it was great. And I loved it. I had a really good time. Uh, Great audiences. But I will say that... um, New Year's, uh, well, you know what? I'll get into that later. I want to get into my thoughts on New Year's. And so where we're going, Hannah is going to be at the Grove in Lowell, Arkansas this weekend. Uh, Friday and Saturday she'll be there. 
and uh, uh, and it's going to be a good show. I know the headliner too. I'm blanking on his name right now. I know him. We just did shows together. He's my friend, but right now I'm not. It's not coming to me. Uh, I've been traveling a lot. Got a lot going on in in my head. But she'll be there. The Grove is really fun. So if you're in that area, go check her out. It's either Lowell or Bentonville. It moved. So, but it's still all the same area. It's uh, they call it NWA Northwest Arkansas. Very nice there. I like it a lot. That's where Walmart's from. And then this weekend, I'll be headlining at the uh, Improv, the at- Improv in Addison, Texas, which is just north of Dallas, Texas. It may even be considered Dallas and Addison's just in the area, but I've never been. I've been to Dallas. I saw where JFK was shot, uh, but I've never performed comedy at all in Texas. Uh, I once performed at a casino in Oklahoma, and it was so close to Texas that my hotel was in Texas, but never actually done comedy in Texas. So I'm very excited uh, going to the Big D to Dallas, Uh, Texas, like Tennessee, is where a lot of country music comes out of, and I'm very excited. I love to be in Texas around cowboys and cowboy hats, and you know I'm way into cowboy and country music culture. So I hope some of that happens. Uh, but even if it doesn't, I'm still excited to be going to Dallas. So that is where we've been, where we're going. You are what you are. I'm going to make them an offer again with you. I don't know what you're talking about. Very exciting. And now uh, I just would like to talk about New Year's, right? This is why I want to talk about it. This, uh, this is my motivation right now because a lot of people I know that they, they make these New Year's resolutions and, and they say, you know what, I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to quit smoking cigarettes or I'm going to quit drinking or I'm going to start exercising. And then they make it that this, this grand statement that New Year's will be the time that I do it. Right, And that it's as if the changing of 2018 to 2019 gives us a new willpower. You know what I mean? And so people will try it. Some will have success. Most will fail at their New Year's resolution, and then they feel like a failure. My motivation to you is that New Year's means nothing. Uh, It means nothing at all. Your willpower is the same. And you have it in you to do things. If you want to eat better, if you want to exercise more, and you fail within the first week of your New Year's resolution, if you fail and you go out and you're like, I'm only going to eat salads from now on, and then a week later you have a hamburger, that's okay. Do not give up. You can restart this resolution anytime you want. You can decide to do better. You can decide to change your life anytime Uh, And you don't need any specific date to do it. You can decide right now, hey, this is what I'm going to do for myself. So don't let a failing New Year's resolution keep you from doing the things that you want to do. If you want to quit drinking, quit drinking. Just quit drinking. For me, I quit drinking. I didn't use AA. I did read the big blue book from AA. But I just quit drinking. And I had tried to quit drinking many times, and I had failed every time. Until the last one. And the, the, the way that I live now is that I just never allow myself even one drink of alcohol. Because I say, you know, because I think what happens is we quit for a while. I know people that this has happened to. You quit for a while and then you decide, you know what, I bet I can control the drinking now. 
So you go out and you have a drink, and then before you know it, you're right back where you were at. And now this is not true for everyone. Some people do quit for a while and then learn to control it. But that is not how I work. And so you just have to make the decision that that you're going to, you know, if you want to lose weight, uh, learn better eating habits and exercise some. You know, you don't have to bec- you don't have to join CrossFit and lose all your weight in 6 months or all your weight in in 2 weeks. Uh, and you don't have to go on the most strict diet on the planet. Just what I like to do is I like to ask myself before eating something, does this have nutritional value? And meat does have nutritional value, uh, unless it's coming from you know a garbage place. You know what I mean, though. And so just ask yourself, does this have nutritional value? And bread is delicious, and you don't have to quit eating it, but don't eat all of it. You know what I mean? If you go to a, a steakhouse and they bring you out a loaf of bread before your meal, maybe don't eat that whole loaf. I've been known to eat that whole loaf uh, on many occasions, but you don't have to. And you don't have to be so full that you can't breathe in order to be satisfied. I used to feel that way. I would go to a, a buffet and I would be like, I paid $10 for this buffet. I'm going to get $10 out of this buffet. But you know, one plate of food is $10 worth of food. You don't need to do 17 of them. And I've been there. And exercising, uh, to me, exercising sucks. I'm not into it. I don't like it. But I do feel better when I do it. And I, so I try to do it once a month or so. And uh, so that's my motivation for now. New Year's is great. If New Year's is the thing that pushes you to do the thing that you want to do, then go for it. But it means nothing. It's meaningless. So don't let it... Don't let it be a stumbling block for you is what I'm saying. If, if you want to quit something, you quit it. And if you want to quit drinking and you can't do it by yourself, go to AA. This is the advice I was given. I've been to a couple of AA meetings, um, and uh, I don't care for them, but they've helped a lot of people. I, I, don't, I don't hate them. I don't care for them. It's not my style. But also I get to do comedy, right? This is what I think an AA meeting is, and this is the advice I was given. If you go to an AA meeting – Stand up and speak at your very first time going. Because the moment you talk and you let people know, hey, I'm in here because I want to quit drinking, you're going to get some overwhelming support. People will come to your aid because everyone in that room has been through what you're about to go through right now. And quitting drinking is not the end of the world. When I used to drink, I used to envision myself as an old man you know, drinking at parties and and still partying and still drinking way on into my older years. So quitting drinking was a devastating thought to me. I thought, oh no, all my plans for being an alcoholic for life are out the window. But the moment I quit drinking, I had a just I just made new plans. The plans that are in our heads aren't often the real plans for our life. And so the moment drinking was gone for me, I made new plans, I feel better, my life is better. That being said, if you like to drink and you handle it, keep drinking. I'm not telling you to stop. I'm just saying, if you are looking to quit, you know, seek some help. Do AA. Meet people. Talk. Because this is what an AA meeting is. Whereas I get to go on stage, you know, four or five times a week minimum and have people listen to me. An AA meeting is like a small bit of that where you just get to stand up and say, hey, I'm so-and-so and and I'm an alcoholic 
And and also saying those words will be real be real to you. You'll go, oh man, I've just said that. I must be an alcoholic. And then you get to tell your story and people listen to you. It's very nice. And they'll have some free coffee in there and probably some cigarettes. A lot of people like to smoke there. So if you're short on cigarettes and you want to quit drinking, pop into an AA meeting. All right. And uh, so that's that's my thing about that. I just think that's important. Um, They're on the road again. Hen and Dusty are on the road again. Telling super funny jokes to all their friends. Hen and Dusty are on the road again. Yeah! On the road. Hannah, uh, Hannah left uh, last week on Sunday, and she drove to St. Louis, and then she went over to Iowa and did her show, and then she's now drove to Kansas City, and then she'll be in Arkansas. She, she's, she's really road-dogging it out there, but she's making these drives and stopping along the way in an effort to not have to drive so much all at once. We are both exhausted of driving. I think with the passing of my Volvo, I have entered a new phase my Volvo was my road car, and now that that car is going, I now that it's gone, I can't stand driving anymore. I don't want to go anywhere. I've been, uh, I've been flying places. I've been Ubering, and I just, it's like I just, I've entered a new phase. I drove so much for so long that my my body is in pain and. You know, I don't want to complain about it because I'm very blessed to have the life that I have. And I realize that. But I am done driving. I'll do it when I need to, but I, I am about done with it. So I got, you know, I got exciting stuff coming up this year. I'm very pumped about 2019. But even that, the year does, I had a fantastic 2018. But the year means nothing. People say, oh, oh, 2017 was a terrible year. Looking for a better one in 2018. The year has nothing to do with it, you know? People say, I can't believe we're still dealing with this. It's 2019, and it's like the year has nothing to do with anything. It's just a way of keeping track of the time. It doesn't mean anything. Nothing changes. And I'm not being down about it. I'm very happy, and we should all be happy that the year has nothing to do with it. We're in charge of our own destiny all the time. I'm feeling fired up today. I'm having to. I'm doing the podcast by myself, obviously, and uh, so Hannah's usually cracking the jokes, but but I'm feeling motivational. I want to inspire people to be better people and to feel better about themselves. Uh, I do comedy on the stage, and I'm having a good time, and I want you to have a good time. I said, "Boom on the road, boom on the road." So. Uh, and then food on the road, as I've said, it has been killing me, but I've been making better choices. This New Year's Eve, I was in Raleigh, North Carolina at the New Improv, very nice, and I was there with uh, Lauren Ansley uh, out of Charlotte and Tyler Wood out of Wilmington, North Carolina, and me and Tyler were at the same hotel, so we went back to the hotel, and then we decided it was about 11 o'clock, and neither of us drink. I have I don't party, and I have no need to blow into a whistle and wear a funny hat and, and celebrate New Year's anymore. I've done it many, many times. I peaked uh, at New Year's celebrations in 1998. I think I was 17 uh, or maybe 99. I was 16 or 17. I was at a party. I was drinking. Very attractive college girl was dancing with me. Pretty sure she let me touch her boobs. 
and uh, I chased that New Year's forever, and that it was the best. I mean, I'm, I, you know, I, I've done very similar things to that, you know, since that time. But uh, that one was a real hallmark for me. That was my first New Year's where I wasn't just shooting fireworks with my with my parents. You know, I was out being a heathen and drinking and dancing and you know getting to touch on boobs and it was a it was a good time for me and uh i chased that for a while and now i don't care about new year's anymore so i went back well this is interesting though that what i actually did and then so we get back tyler's girlfriend's there with him and i say do you guys want to go eat but we didn't want to drive anywhere and uh uber's expensive so we decided to just walk to the closest place to our hotel and that was a hooters so I went, we, I spent, I rang in New Year's at a Hooters with about 12 people in the restaurant and waitresses ready to get out of there. Um, and I got to tell you, it's very sad to me. <laughs> the, the Hooters is sad to me now. My mom used to be a big fan of the NASCAR driver, Alan Kowicki. So whenever Alan Kowicki would come down to Columbus, Georgia to the Hooters, we'd go down there and get his autograph. And I got to check out Hooters girls and I loved them. I was in love with them. They were my favorite, but at this Hooters, maybe it's because I'm a little older now, and uh, I just I was sad for them. I felt like these are little girls, and I just want them to go put some clothes on and bring me some hot wings. You know what I mean? That's all I want. But they didn't do that, and I didn't get hot wings. Uh, this is I got a grilled chicken salad at Hooters, and I've never felt better about myself and about my willpower because you know what? I wanted a Philly cheesesteak sandwich and uh, about 10 hot wings. That's what I wanted. But I went for the grilled chicken salad, and my body thanked me for it. My body said, Dusty, we appreciate what you've done for us. And my body has multiple, multiple things. And uh, so that was my food that I had. And you know what? I went to East Nashville yesterday with a friend, uh, a friend of mine from high school who lives here in Nashville, Rebecca. And we went to a place in East Nashville, uh, called far East pho is pho what they call it. I struggle with it because I know that everybody pronounces it pho, but I want to pronounce it pho because I feel like pho is a sound that I'm making or an incomplete word. I'd like to say pho. Um, but anyway, I went there and I had some pho, and it was delicious too. I, I love it because chicken broth is great for you. Just broth in general is good for you. Some vegetables, some spices. It's very tasty. They wouldn't let me sit at a big table though because I, we only had two people, and they reserved those big tables for larger parties, and uh, that larger party never came, and I was very unhappy. But I got over it, and I had a good time. All right, so... Uh, we want to do uh, a rundown of our top 10 favorite places to eat, you know, that we've experienced on the road. And we are going to do that sometime, but we've been very busy. Uh, and um, so it's just like a lot going on. And, you know, even when I get free time where I'm like, oh, I could be writing some of this down. I'm just not into it because I'm just tired. And, uh, you know, I'm not complaining by any means. Uh, I do have, you know, TV show update. Uh, it's still going. It's still being developed. Someone posted on Facebook the other day that they've been looking for my TV show and they, they can't find it. Well, it's not out yet. I mean, we're, 
it's still it still takes it's still a process you know so it's like we've we've passed since the last time i've talked about it i mean we've gotten to some new levels so it's at a good place i feel good about it i'm excited uh chad the guy that i'm working with that's writing things is very good and i like what he's doing and together and hannah is is in on the action too and and together we're all writing funny jokes and i've never wrote a tv show so i don't know anything about it but uh i do know what sounds funny to me and i do like tv shows i like the old school tv shows i mean if i have it my way which who knows if i will have it my way but if i have it my way i would like to create a 90s sitcom you know it'll take place in you know today's day today's time but um um modern day time but i i do enjoy those old sitcoms i think they're really fun i like you know everybody loves raymond home improvement i loved uh old roseanne um i watched the goldberg some i really enjoyed that here's a conspiracy bigfoot urban legends ghost exist all right so here we go this is a bit of a conspiracy someone sent this to me in an email and i didn't know i thought they had just sent me a conspiracy that i'd never heard of but it was a wikipedia link to the 27 club and when the 27 club is uh they think there's some curse behind um you know people dying musicians and athletes dying at 27 years old uh I had I had only ever heard musicians, but apparently this Wikipedia link also had um um uh I don't know, athletes at twenty seven. But you know, I mean some notable ones is people that have died at twenty seven years old is Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain. So it's like, you know, and I think there's some more. I can't think of them all. And there was so many on this list. That I'm like, I don't even know, you know, it, it, oh, Aaron Hernandez, apparently the athlete, he died at 27. Um, let's see, I'm just going to look through this. Amy Winehouse died at 27. So, and, and a lot of people had saw, I mean, this is what I had remembered. I'm not going to read this thing because, well, I don't care that much about it. I used to be really into it when I was, you know, trying to be a hippie, and I was like, you know, I had, um, you know, Salvador Dali posters on my wall, and I thought Bob Dylan was a prophet, you know, those sorts of things where I was getting all my learning and all my thing from movie quotes, all or not movie quotes, uh, song lyrics. I thought that, you know, Pink Floyd was opening my mind to new thoughts and possibilities and, and that I was relating to, to, their, to the wall. Uh, I, we really analyzed disc one of the wall to death and uh and i remember getting my first bob dylan cd i remember getting my first neil young cd and just listening to it non-stop i was living and breathing bob dylan neil young and janice joplin for quite some time and I just don't do that anymore. I like country, but I just I just don't get into musicians. I just think that most of them are full of crap. You know what I mean? Not not on a personal level, but it's like 
I went to see a Damien Rice concert, and I thought Damien Rice said the greatest thing. He had this song called I Can't Take My Eyes. Oh, he said, I can't take my eyes off of you. You know what I mean? He would do that over and over again, and he, he, he talked about that song. And he's like, the reality is I could take my eyes off her, and I did. You know what I mean? So these musicians, they write these sweet songs that are that – are, um, uh, that, that make it seem like women listen to it and they go, oh, this is a magical man. Why can't my husband be this way? And it's like the, the, he, your husband can't be that way because nobody can be that way. No one can live up to this fictional uh, man that's been created in the song. Contra- Contrast-wise, uh, you know, the women that men write about in these songs, they, the, the women can't live up to that. I mean, it's like... People are, you know, people are beautiful, but they can't live up to song lyrics written about them, you know. And, you know, you, these certain musicians write about how they're staying true to their woman no matter what. I'm staying true to her, but in real life, all they do is cheat on their woman. So they're a bit full of crap, so I can't really take their life advice. But apparently what happened with this is like they say that the guitarist blues player Robert Johnson made a deal with the devil on the crossroads that – he could play this beautiful music and be the best at guitar, but he would have to die at 27. And so I don't know if people are into that or not, and if people think that's fun. Here's a guy named Brian Jones. They highlighted him, but I don't know what Brian Jones is from. Oh, he's from the Rolling Stones. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. I, I think it's interesting. Um, but uh, there's a ton of people that have died at 27, but... And I guess they haven't died at any other age. But that's worth checking out. If you're looking for something interesting to just read about and, and, and check out, check out the tw- the, uh, the 27 Club. And also, uh, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I think they just have it on YouTube linked up so you don't have to do it anymore. But watching Dark Side of the Moon uh, or watching uh, Wizard of Oz with Dark Side of the Moon from Pink Floyd playing, that's pretty fun. I mean, you might want to do some drugs and then do it, but... <laughs> but uh uh or at least rub some patchouli on you get real relaxed but it's uh that's pretty fun i like i like watching that i mean because it does weirdly match up in a lot of places you know i think when you're looking for something to match up to music you can go yes it's matching yes it's matching but there are some places in that that really does match up quite strange and uh, i'd check that out Story time with Dusty and Hannah. Uh, here we go. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read a story. Now, this guy sent me emails, so I'm just going to kind of read it like he wrote it. I I, I was going to rewrite it. I think, uh, you know, he might have been doing talk speak into his phone when he was doing this. I don't know. But I met him in Phoenix. David Ross, his name. He does comedy there. And um, I'm just going to read this story. I thought the story, the first part is pretty long. And uh, and then I emailed him a couple of times getting some info from here. So here's the email one. This is uh, from David Ross. Not, not for me. So when I say I in this, it will not be me, Dusty. It will be him. I was 19 years old, fresh out of, well, I don't know. I did some college. I did some working. And I was on the road and had a couple of buddies with me. And it was late and we were coming from a show in Tucson. Actually, we were coming from a party after a show. And we'd been drinking heavily, like I mean a lot. And we had a 12-pack of some sort of bottles of beers in the car. 
So we were really drinking, and it was about 3 o'clock in the morning, and we were hungry, and I was taking my buddies to each of their homes. But before we went home, I was still live. Uh, I don't know, before I go home, I don't know, he, he was still living with his parents. So we went to a jack-in-the-box to get some tacos, and I rolled up to the window. Now, I've been to a Taco Bell many times uh, uh, like this. I rolled up to a jack-in-the-box. I rolled up to the window, and I said, I want six tacos, mother sucker, yo, 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 six tacos. So then the man working in the jack-in-the-box had to say, hey, guys, I dropped your tacos. It's going to be about two more minutes for me to make up some new ones. And I was like, all is cool, Cracker Jack. Just throw me in a couple of extra ones because I was talking and I am a person that I'm not normally. Oh, man. Okay, this got confusing. Um, so I'm just reading it basically he was like that's cool cracker jack and he was drunk so he was just trying to be funny with this guy and he's changed a lot this was when he was 19 he's 34 now so he quit drinking so don't judge the guy here uh and he said, all right he says it wasn't even one minute later and my whole car was surrounded by cop cars there was a cop, and I was in the drive in, jack-in-the-box drive through at the window, and a cop car right directly in front of me. He pulled up in front of me, and then, uh, then they were all around. They were just all over the place. Uh, he couldn't back up, couldn't go forward, and it was like setting off bombs in the Cracker Jack. I was just trying to get me some tacos. So they pull us all out of the car. My buddies were kicking empty beer bottles out of the car, so right off the bat, it doesn't look too good. And then they asked me, uh, have you been drinking? And I said, yeah, I had a few drinks a while ago. And then they were like, well, how long ago? And I, I was like, that's a pretty long time ago. And it was just two drinks. So I'm pretty sure I'm safe to be driving. In, and he was like, well, can we get your license and registration? And I didn't have my driver's license with me at the time and other things that they wanted. <laughs> so I was like, well, I don't have all those things on me currently. And they said that we're going to do a few tests on you, touch your finger to your nose. And he said he did that really good. And they were all in a, in a huddle. And he said his friends left, I guess, because they were not dr- driving. They got to leave. Um, and they all had sober people to come pick them up. Uh, and he said there were like eight cops interrogating him. He said, so I was doing a real good job. And then one of the other cops came over to me and they're like, hey, can you do the test you did earlier? Uh, they were like, hey, can you do this test that you did earlier? And he was, I was like, man, I just did that test for that cop over there. And then he said it triggered him, I guess. And immediately they said, turn around, put your hands on your head. And I was under arrest and they took me down to the police station. And then like, uh, so he'd been charged with drinking and smoking a little weed. And uh, you didn't have a driver's license. You're drinking underage and blah, blah. And you gave the police false information. And you weren't accurate about how much you've been drinking. And... So they took him uh, to the police station. 
And that's where he ended the email, that he got arrested. So I was like, dude, well, what happened? Tell me about what happened. You know what I mean? Like, you can't just... Because basically that story is he pulled up to the Jack in the Box. I probably should have just summarized. He pulled up to the Jack in the Box, said some weird things. Uh, The guy inside the Jack in the Box called the police, and uh, he got arrested in the Jack in the Box parking lot. So just... And so I I emailed him back. I was like, well, what happened after that? And he said, this is hard for me to say. I was arrested. It was a Friday night. No one would bail me out. I had a picnic planned with my girlfriend, who is now my wife. And that was my only call. I said, baby, I'm in jail. And I won't be able to attend our picnic tomorrow. Uh, Jail was crazy. Unspeakable things happened that night. (laughs) I don't know what that means. I was in a room with like 10 other guys and there was a toilet right in the middle of the room and dudes were doing number two right in the middle of the room. I held it. I held everything. I felt like a failure. Then Monday, I had a court appearance. I told them I was really sorry. I would never do it again. So they set me free and a future court date for a few months later and I moved to Alaska, never went to the court date. I know it's not good, but it's just who I was. I probably, he said, I'm probably still leaving you hanging. Just let me know. So I emailed him back again, just asking if he had any more. So this was the third email. It says, this might be more than what I, than, than what I anticipated. So then I lived in Alaska for a year building houses and I worked at a Mexican restaurant, washing dishes and a few other things in Alaska. And I went to Cincinnati, where I'm from. I was at a party, and the cops busted it. And I got another ticket for underage drinking. My court date was a few months out, and and I boogied back to Arizona. I then got married to the love of my life, and I had my first sweet little baby girl. And so I became a provider for my awesome little family. I was working for an AC company installing new ACs. And I had a sweet old truck. It was a 1980 Chevy C10. Uh, I had a truck for about a year, and it always smelled a little... I always smelled a little gas, and I thought it was normal for being old and all. And one day, I was getting off work, and it was July in Arizona, and I had no AC in the old truck, so I was hot and sweaty. And boom, my truck caught on fire. I pulled over, called my wife, and said, my truck caught on fire. Can you please come and get me? So she couldn't at the time, so she said her dad could. So that was cool. My father-in-law was coming to save the day. A nearby pedestrian called 911, and now uh, burning on my now burning peaceful truck, I was just going to leave it and call it a loss. But the fire department came and put out the fire, and I was thankful for that. Then the police came and said, did you know that there was a warrant for your arrest? I said, I did not know that I had, I did not know. It had been like two or three years now, and I guess I thought it all just went away. So right there in front of my father-in-law, I was arrested again. I was crying, no, no. Again with the number twos. I was released, uh, I don't know what that means, again with the number twos. Uh, I was released the next day, I went to my court date and did 24 hours in prison and saved and, and paid $700 in fine, and I will never drink and drive again. I could do a whole nother story on the prison time I had. Everyone was doing a great job in there. Uh, a few years later, I flew to Cincinnati and turned myself in and did some more time for the underage drinking and paid 250 in fines. 
Uh, I've paid my fair share for my drinking days. That's all I have to say. So I think that's a great story for what I said earlier about quitting drinking. I mean, geez, like, uh, I'm sorry, David, if I, I really butchered that story, but you know, I just, I didn't, I didn't have the time to rewrite it like I wanted to. So I just kind of read it off. I hope that it all made sense to people listening. I just think that's a fun story. I mean, tragic, tragic, but fun now, uh, that, you know, you're just drinking and, and you don't, and you're at, at a, you're at the Taco Bell basically, and you're ordering food and, uh, then you get arrested. And then you get arrested at a party, and you think that you get away from those things, and then they get you. They get you. They get you. And uh, I thought that that was pretty fun. And uh, I wanted to tell another story about when I... uh, This was one Christmas, and this is going to be kind of a story on both of my parents, and uh, it's fine. They... They they may they don't know that I'm going to tell this, and my dad may not all know all the full details of this, but uh, I'm going to tell it because I think it's fun. But um, uh, when I was I don't know what age I was. It was the year that the first PlayStation came out. The first PlayStation came out. I think I was in middle school, and I was very excited for it. I had a Super Nintendo, and I used to always get two Christmases because my parents were divorced, so I would get some presents at my dad's and some presents at my mom's. I would spend the first week off from school with my mom, and then on Christmas Day, my dad would come and pick me up. So I would get all these presents at my mom's house, and then I would leave them immediately and go to my dad's house. So I wouldn't get to play with any of the gifts that my mom had gotten me, just the way it all worked out with custody and whatnot. That's the life of a divorced uh, parent kid, and uh, at least a healthy one. I mean, I at least got to go to two families and get presents, so I'm not complaining. But this year, I really wanted the PlayStation. I told my mom that I wanted a PlayStation, and we lived in a trailer park at the time. And uh, so, you know, the chances were that my mom might not be able to afford that PlayStation but because it was like $300. But I was still asking for it because I was a spoiled kid and uh, had no sense of what money was and thought money came out of thin air. But anyway, I asked her for it, and she said she would, you know, she would try. And then I also asked my dad for it. And at the time, my dad was married. He was uh, married to his... Uh, third wife, and I had two stepbrothers. I have two older sisters that are like 10 years older than me, and I have a younger sister that's 18 years younger than me, uh, who just got married at 18, by the way. Very crazy. And uh, not very crazy. I'm happy for her. Uh, Crazy to me, but I'm happy for her. And um, But I had two stepbrothers for about 10 years. Uh, One of them I've been in contact with a little bit on Facebook, but I haven't seen in many, many years. I haven't seen those guys. And uh, we had a really good time for a while. I mean, you know, stuff between their mom and my dad, you know, it all divided us. I mean, it's natural for people to break up and for things like that to happen, but it's tough on the kids. Uh, I never disliked them, so I uh, would be happy to see them again uh, one day. Hopefully I will. And anyway, but my oldest stepbrother was just – or the one that, there was one that was just a year older than me. And me and him usually ended up sharing a lot of Christmas gifts. We would share game systems and stuff like that. And he really wanted a Sega Genesis. Uh, I'm not criticizing him, but I may never understand that move. Uh, Sega Genesis was out at the same time as – uh, the Super Nintendo. So I was saying to him, let's get a PlayStation. And he was like, no, I don't want a PlayStation. I want a Sega. So his mom was the one who would go out and buy the presents. So he convinced his mom that to get us a, to get a Sega. 
and a Sega was cheaper. Why would you not get the Sega? So, and I don't know exactly the communication that happened between his mom and my dad, but the information that I got from my dad was that they had decided that they weren't going to make the PlayStation because the PlayStation had CDs and the CDs were getting scratched and it was ruining the game and that they thought it was a good idea, but they decided not to do it. So there was going to be no PlayStation. So my dad, that was my dad's thought to me. Now, as it got closer to Christmas, I started to notice that my stepbrother had a game system size box with his name on it under the tree. And I had a game system size box with my name under it, under the tree. So I thought, I mean, I'm thinking this whole time, you know, my dad's telling me he's not getting me the gift, but he is getting me the gift. Meanwhile, back in Alabama, boy, well, back at my mom's house, uh, um, I had a Super Nintendo and Christmas was approaching. We were about two or three days out from Christmas and my mom gives me this gift, right? And I open up the gift and inside the gift is a note And I open that note and I read it. And the note is from my mom to me telling me that she really wanted to get me the PlayStation, but she just didn't have the money this year. So she hoped that these games would be okay. And she had gotten me two Super Nintendo games. I still remember them. It was Wario's Woods and Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Zombies Ate My Neighbors is actually a very fun game. So... You know, I was a bit of a spoiled kid, but also tenderhearted, and I, I cared about my mom. So it was a nice moment. I felt like we had a really good moment. I was disappointed, but I hugged her, and it was happy, and everybody was happy. But I feel like there had to be other people in the house that, that you know, that, well, all right, I'll, I'll finish the story, and then I'll, I'll tell you that part. But so then for like two days, I'm walking around a little bit sad, but hey, like, hey, you know, I'm still happy I got some stuff. My life's still good. And then the night before Christmas Eve, my mom says, do you want to open a present early tonight? And I was like, absolutely. So she gave me a gift. I tore open the gift, and it was the PlayStation. Oh, incitement ensued. I was so excited. I had gotten the PlayStation that I wanted. So my mom played emotional games with me to get uh, the maximum amount of happiness out of that PlayStation. She really knew how to make you appreciate the gifts that she was giving you. She was not going to just give me a PlayStation and not make me work for it emotionally. And uh, uh, it was very nice. I was very happy I had gotten it. And what I was going to say was there had to be people in the trailer that knew that I got the PlayStation, but they all had to be in on this emotional abuse. And uh, I use abuse lightly. I I don't feel abused. Uh, But... It was very exciting. I had gotten the PlayStation that I wanted, and it was really cool. So I got to play with it all Christmas Eve, and then the next day my dad came to pick me up. So I left the PlayStation, and I went to my dad's house. And so we're there. We're opening gifts, and my stepbrother opens his game system-sized gift, and it's a Sega Genesis, and he's very excited, and it's a happy moment. Happy, happy, happy. And then it gets to my game system size gift. Now, we always shared gifts, me and my stepbrother. So I was like, this must be something different. So I tore it open, and it's a Sega Genesis. And my dad was like, you didn't know I got you a Sega 2, did you? And (laughs) I mean, my dad was trying to be nice. Uh, But they just, 
he, he, they wouldn't listen to me that the PlayStation, everybody in the house should have listened to me and we could have had a PlayStation and we could have been playing. I mean, but that's been an ongoing theme in my life. People do not listen to me, even though I have the best ideas. And uh, so we didn't, uh, we didn't, we didn't get the PlayStation. And so I was pretty bummed about it. So, but that PlayStation was for me to take home to my mom's. So I didn't open it. I left it unopened. And me and my stepbrother just played old Sonic the Hedgehog and stuff like that for for the next week. And then when I went home, I took that Sega with me, and it was still in the wrap. And me and my mom, we took the Sega back to Walmart, and we traded it in and got credit, enough money to get two PlayStation games. <laughs> so it really all worked out. So in the end, my dad didn't get me the PlayStation, but he... Um, he got me two games basically for my mom's playstation so it really worked out in the end and then that year um that year my dad just found out how to get on my podcast so he may listen to this episode so but that's okay and uh uh so later that year i think i'm pretty sure this is how it all went down he ended up getting divorced uh from that lady and my stepbrothers were gone which was you know sad and uh uh, but l- that next Christmas, my dad bought me a PlayStation. So I ended up, I en- did end up getting it. And then I had two PlayStations. So I was very fancy. And uh, by the time PlayStation 2 came around, I was done playing video games, basically. But I had a good run at them. I really liked them. I did have a PlayStation 2. Uh, a lot of people don't know. I lived in a, this trailer until I was 14, and then we moved into a house where most of my high school friends know me from because I never invited them to the trailer. And uh, uh, But I did invite them to the house. And um, But when I was 19, I ended up buying that trailer back, the same trailer that I grew up in, and I moved back in there. So me and all my buddies, we used to sit in there and smoke cigarettes uh, inside the trailer and play Tech and Tag on PlayStation 2. We'd have tons of people over there smoking cigarettes and uh, doing other things and playing Tech and Tag. And man, it was a blast. I loved it. I, I do love video games, but I like video games when I'm playing them with other people. I, I find that that's more fun, the shared experience of it. That's why I don't like the one-player games. But that, I, I, also, I also don't like online games. I want to play with people in the room and make jokes with them and have a good time. That's what I like. So, uh, now, uh, let's do, like, kind of a movie segment. Yo, I did it! I did it! Great Scott. My Um, I have been watching, I've just bought the movie Infinity War. This will be my third time watching it. I enjoy that movie a lot, and I like it more than I, that I watch it. I'm, I am into superhero movies. Sometimes I want to say that I'm not really that into them, but I am into them. I enjoy them. I grew up not reading comic books, but collecting them and looking at the pictures. So, you know, finally a movie has come out, so I never have to read the comic books, and uh, I appreciate that. It's big for me. And then... Um, Also, uh, a childhood, I wouldn't say a hero, but a childhood celebrity that uh, I always liked, uh, Mean Gene Okerlund, apparently has just passed away. And that's sad Um, because Mean Gene, I mean, I remember watching those old WWFs with 
Hulk Hogan and Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Hillbilly Jim and Earthquake and Undertaker and just mean Gene Oakland was just right there in the middle. And I loved, loved seeing that guy. And, um, and I'm sad that he's gone. And uh, so I am going to wrap this up. I appreciate you listening. Next week, Hannah will be back with me. I will be in Dallas, Texas this weekend at the Addison Improv. Hannah will be in Bentonville, Arkansas, or Lowell, Arkansas at The Grove. Uh, we're gonna, it's going to be very fun. Uh, our, our Twitter's – Hannah's uh, – I don't know. Hans, Hannah's not even really doing social media right now, but Miss Hannah Hogan is her handles. And my Twitter, Instagram is at Dusty Slay, and I have a Facebook fan page that I would appreciate it if you'd just go on there and like it. It makes me look good when I have more followers and more likes. And also I'll put out funny content. And the um, also, um, what did I, oh, you know, give the channel a review or, or a podcast. Go on iTunes and give it a five-star review and leave a comment. I appreciate that. It doesn't take that much time to do it, and it helps me. It helps get the podcast out there. I think that this is a fun podcast. I enjoy doing it, and I think that people – are enjoying listening to it. I appreciate the viewers that I get. I appreciate all you guys taking the time to listen. And um, uh, I don't think that I have anything else that I want to beg you to do. Um, I appreciate all of you. I appreciate. I really appreciate the people who came to the show in Atlanta. I just want to say that again. It meant a lot, and I was very happy to see everyone. Um, and I just, I just appreciate the support. I mean, I've been... It's very nice. I'm going into 2019 with a lot of headlining gigs on my calendar in big, nice clubs, and I've done many, many rooms over the years where I've headlined and featured for rooms of anywhere from six, you know, to you know, twelve people. And man, it is just so nice when I walk into a club and there's a lot of people in there. I appreciate the journey, and do not take for granted people come into my show and uh, I appreciate it and I just want to deliver the best comedy that I possibly can and make sure that we're always having a good time not just a slogan it's a philosophy it's how I live my life I I I live my life by whether I'm having fun or not and if I am not having fun I am on a quest to figure out how I can get back to having fun again so I appreciate you guys uh thank you very much and we're having a good time (laughs) 